This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. What is up? I attempted, I guess, to start uh, a fire before, right before getting out here. Don't worry, I do that every day. <laughs> whenever, whenever you have an opinion on there. And and honestly, uh, you you gave me a really great piece of advice uh, a couple weeks ago on the podcast. And I'm trying to remember exactly what you said. But when it comes to like conversations on social media and Twitter, you can't have those all the time. And I'm learning the hard way. Sometimes when you do have an opinion, that might be outside. She from put it back up. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm aware my fiance put the Steelers thing back up. It's going back down. This is going to be a constant fight. You have to just look at your surroundings before you you sit down and you'll see it. It's bad that I'm staring right at your wall and I don't see it. So I, I apologize. Yeah, what is this? No help. I know. That's that's, that's a fail on me. Uh, but yeah, you know, you can, sometimes you can't have an opinion on Twitter. And we, we, we learn the hard way when it comes to draft picks, free agency, and other players. What fire storm, uh, storm did you start today? I... Uh, it, it's like coming out as a communist during the Red Scare in 1950 or whatever. Uh, I said that I would probably pick B. John Robinson over any of the tackles that I think will be there. And there's a, you know, there's a large <laughs> movement. Running backs don't matter. Uh, never take a running back in round one, which I don't really understand why five picks later, that would be considered probably a pretty good pick. But at 28, it's like, no. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think Bijan Robinson is a top 10 talent in this draft. He's got that. I, I wouldn't say top five where I didn't, I've only done this a couple of years. My top fives that I've I think the only ones I've ever given out were um, Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts, and Penny Sewell all in the same year. And, uh, well, Chase and Sewell both are elite talents by, like, their second year. <laughs> Chase in his first year. Uh, Pitts, I don't know, maybe we'll get there. He looked good his first year. Uh, but, yeah, he there's a tiny bit lacking. Like, it's not a no doubt he's going to be one of the top ten running backs in the league, I think. Like that's not a no doubt thing. That's certainly in the realm of possibility. I have a, a few small questions, um, but other than that, like this guy to me, probably eighty percent chance he's at least good. If you think like bust, solid, good, great, and maybe even elite. Twenty percent chance elite. Say thirty percent chance great. I'm already well over. Uh, that's fifty. Thirty more percent chance good or solid or whatever, and then I don't know. 10% chance of bust. Somebody do the math. I probably left something out there. Uh, but I really don't see the bust potential that much other than like an injury type thing um, because he just, he comes fully loaded, solid, just has the vision. He's so you're not getting Trent Richardson. I don't think um, he can pass protect. Well, that was surprising. Usually these guys that are five stars and they've been um, like the, the, best thing that's walked their middle school, high school grounds. They don't get asked to do that. They're just kind of like, we're going to hand you the ball 300 times this year. <laughs> You'll take a rest the other plays. Uh, but so he can pass protect. He can catch the ball. He can track the ball down the field. I saw him catch a deep uh, rail route, which is like a wheel route down the field, about 30 yards downfield. He could do all of this. He can give you everything that I feel like the Bengals are missing. They don't have explosive plays. He can do that. He, they don't have a guy that can, create a lot of yards in the passing game while also being a great pass protector. He can do that. He can do everything that it feels like they're lacking, but you don't take him because he's a running back. And instead you have to take, it feels like on Twitter, at least you have to take one of the offensive tackles there. Uh, in a mock that came out today from Daniel Jeremiah, who's pretty plugged in, although I would say it's probably early to really take that um, with, take it with a grain of salt. But I mean, the guys that were there, I think it was Dewan Jones, Anton Harrison, and Jalen Duncan were probably the three. I haven't watched Jalen Duncan, so we can just remove him. But mm -hmm. Dewan Jones and um, Anton Harrison were the two offensive tackles there. And they both have second round grades for me. So I, why am I not taking a top 10 talent over a round two offensive tackle? That would be my question. But I think you have the same mindset the Bengals front office has right now. And obviously winning People over the People aren't going to like to hear that. <laughs> 
I just think people don't agree with me and that's fine. I just think that the running, and I do think people are right that back five years ago when you were taking Saquon Barkley at number two, yeah, that's, that's not a good move. That's a bad business decision. That's when positional value comes in. Don't take running backs that high. But when you get to pick 28, when you're outside the top 25 is what I think. When you're outside the top 25, your chance of getting like a dude at that spot are pretty low. Like it's not zero or anything. And it's not even like 10, but like 20% chance you get a dude there that is as good as Bijan is at running back. Bijan is just such a safe bet with such a high ceiling. The main question with him is just what's the value of a running back? Is it okay to take in the first round? To me, yes. Um, I feel like to most people, at least a lot of smart people, I don't know. Like I know I disagree with a lot of people that are smart. I fully respect their opinion. I am just on the other side and that's okay. That creates good discourse, I think. But yeah, yeah. I, I think if I can get a top 10 talent, the a blue chip guy in this draft, one of the guys in this draft that five, 10 years ago was going five overall. Why, why am I skipping him just to take a round two talent because the positional value is different? Yeah. And I think the conversation, you bring up a great point. You're picking 28. It's not the top five right now. And I hope it's like that forever, as long as Joe Burrow is in town and they're not even close to the, to the top of the first round. But I think the mindset with running back is, you know, a lot of people feel a certain way. Those salary numbers come out, how much they're going to pay Joe Mixon this year if they don't restructure or cut him. You can have that conversation about a running back in the second 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 contract that, that you're mm-hmm. about to with the running back. Yeah. And maybe you move on from him. And okay. I even think the second contracts are starting to get more manageable with Aaron Jones at like 11 million. That's fine. I also, the wins above replacement um, that PFF does, who I think are one of the main people that push like running backs don't matter, but they had interior offensive line around there. I think they had defensive tackle around there. Like the, it's not like running backs were zero and then, you know, a tier above that was interior offensive line, all those things that I don't fully agree with the idea that interior offensive line isn't important or anything, but I'm just saying that even their own statistics that they are coming up with, I don't know who did the war uh, wins above replacement, but it still says running backs. They don't, they don't not matter. They're just not as valuable. They still matter. And especially in an offense, I think like the Bengals where they're trying to play everything deep, how awesome would it be to check the ball down and get some 50-yard gains from a guy making something out of nothing? I mean, you had me at pass protection. <laughs> I think I think that's what everybody does, and that's why um, when people bring up uh, Jameer Gibbs, so I think it's smart. He gets in the right spot. He just gets railroaded at times. I don't think they're going to like that too much. Bijan's no. 222 pounds. He doesn't get railroaded. He's smart. He gets in the right spot. When he picked up uh, what's called a cross dog, Two linebackers, the two off-ball linebackers, one goes one way, the other wraps around him. This is something most running backs struggle with. P. Ryan doesn't. But, like, Mixon kind of struggles with this. It's hard because you're supposed to pick up that guy, but now you have to change because they they switched uh, roles. And you're picking up the other guy coming through the A-gap. He did it perfectly. I was like, okay. He knows what he's doing. There's a little bit of, like, maybe get a little bit out there a little further out there to pick the guy up. So you have more room, maybe play a little bit lower. He keeps his hands inside, which is nice. He's it's good. That, that's, a, that's the thing is that his pass protection is good. The other guys that are good at pass protection, oddly enough, the other Texas running back, maybe it's just their coach that really drills this in them. But Roshan Johnson is probably the best in uh, college football at pass protection. And then out of everybody else, there's like nobody else I, I had as like a plus pass protector. I had guys I thought were fine or guys I thought could develop into one. Um, but most other guys were just like they either didn't know what they were doing or they weren't didn't have the technique or uh, size to be able to do it. And sometimes both like Zach Evans. Okay, because one of the things I feel like we do when it gets close to draft week and the offseason is we like to compare players. You see it at every position possible. When you think of him as a running back, is there anybody else in the league that you would compare him to? Ooh. I don't want to be too lofty. Mm-hmm. I, When I watch him, the traits and the running style to me match up with a Le'Veon Bell. Um, when you think of the pass catching, the pass protection, he's got awesome vision. He's patient. He makes dramatic 
big cuts, which um, my first thought was Arian Foster. Arian Foster glided. He was a guy that he it's, it felt like no loss. He wasn't shifty stop start. He was like smooth change of direction. Uh, Bell was more shifty stop start, more powerful type running. Um, I had somebody actually compare his running style to Adrian Peterson. I don't think he has the same athleticism, which is one of my questions is just, I think he's, I think he's like a four, four flat guy. I don't think he's like a four, three flat going to have six 70 plus yard runs in a season. Like I think he does get caught from behind sometimes. Um, and some of that's him being 220 pounds. Cause back when he was 210 pounds, he got away a little bit more. So there's a question there, but yeah, love you bell. He was a little bit, a tiny bit off the top end speed. Um, but which that's similar to what Joe Mixon was, but Joe Mixon couldn't pass protect. Like that's always been his issue. Le'Veon Bell could pass protect and Bijan Robinson could pass protect. And I think Bijan is faster than both of those guys, just not in the Adrian Peterson level of fast. I saw um, Nate Tice uh, compare him to bigger Jamal Charles. Okay. Most people are going to have high, high comps on this guy. It's like when you look at a Jalen Carter comp and it's, I don't know. <laughs> But you, you bring your, your hype on him. You've watched yeah. me a video. And the thing is, you're one of those people, you're going to be completely honest. And, and it is February. We are almost into March when we really get the combine results, the pro days, and we'll really get to see how teams really start to feel about him when it comes to numbers. But at the same time, I, you know, bring, going back to that point of how the Bengals front office thinks. If you're maybe 50% of the fan base, you're thinking offensive line, no matter what offensive line, but the Bengals front office thinks of playmakers. I mean, you could go back to when it was the top five pick and, and Panay Soul, he's going to be, he is a great NFL player, but they went Jamar Chase. And a lot of people were like, what are they doing? There were memes out there thinking this team was making a bad decision. Joe Burrow's coming off his injury. And yes, the offensive line still needs more work. For me personally, I would feel better picking up an offensive line in free agency. That's expensive, and I know. And eventually you are going to have to draft Jonah Williams' replacement at left tackle in the future. Jonah Williams will be the left tackle this season as long as he is healthy. Uh, right tackle is a big question mark. We don't know what's going to happen there. But as a front office as the front office mindset and your mindset right now i agree you got to go playmaker and if oh, it's not tight end but but here's what's going to happen here's it's going to be draft night it's going to be thursday night and he's going to start to go down the draft board and he's going to hey, be yeah like the bills take him at 25 bills are going to say that's exactly what i was just about to say the bills i don't think the bills the only reason i think the bills won't do it is because they drafted james cook in round two last yeah. year so that feels like a really big mismanagement of resources. Like if the Bengals cut both their running backs, you can even bring P Ryan back on yeah. deal if he's cheap. I do think he has some interest around the league. Um, but if you could bring him back for like three, four, maybe even five million, I think you're doing a fine management of resources. This would mean Mixon's gone. I don't yeah. think you could bring him back unless he wants to come back at like three million dollars or something. Um, which no, he probably doesn't, rightfully so. Uh, but yeah, it's not like a mismanagement of resources to me just because they haven't you can get out of all the running back money and now you you aren't spending a lot of cap on running backs and you spend a high draft pick on one but that's all you're not spending a ton of cap there um and it's just the one draft pick and it's a late first rounder to me 28 is much closer to being a second round pick than it is to being a first round pick even though it literally is a first round pick you typically don't have 32 first round talents so you're into the next pool of players i think whenever you listen to a lot of draft guys they, they talk about how like i've got 20 first round talents in this draft that's basically what it is like I think a top 25 pick is different than pick 28. And I know that's three pick different. That's where I'm drawing the line. Really, maybe it's top 20. And now eight pick different makes sense. I don't know. But it's hard to have 28 good players. And I also think this draft class is a little bit weak. Do you feel like he would be there at 28? No. I am coming out as a, <laughs> I'm coming out as a running back truther all over a guy I think gets picked at like 15. Like, I do think that running back is devalued enough. They won't take him top 10. I think somebody falls in love because he's a complete product. If this guy couldn't pass protect, or if this guy, you know, the vision was spotty, he liked to bounce things. If he just made the big plays and he didn't do the small stuff, I think maybe there's a chance he falls. If he was Brees Hall, he falls, but he's not. He's Bijan Robinson, five-star uh, number one uh, running back coming out, top five recruit of his class, dope 
he ninth in Heisman voting, uh, semifinalist two uh, last year or two years ago, whatever it is, 2021 semifinalist for the best running back in the nation with the Doak Walker Award, and then last year won it. He's a much better um, prospect than Brees, and Brees went at like 38. So I don't see it happening, but I just want to make the case. I And you are free to let yes. me know your thoughts on this. Like, I appreciate any pushback. I'm not somebody that's going to get mad at you for challenging my thought process on this. Just have something that isn't just running backs don't matter. Like, okay. <laughs> You're not going to convince me they don't matter at all is, I guess, what I'm getting at here, especially in the Bengals offense where it's 400 plus touches a year. Hey, I want this offense to be balanced again. And there's a run game problem. I personally feel like they need to get that back. And uh, yes, they have decisions to make when it comes to Samaj P. Ryan. Maybe they get him back on a cheap deal or maybe they restructure Joe Mixon, but I'm not guaranteeing a restructure. And I want to get into more of the contracts and, and the offensive linemen when you look at some of the draft prospects and more about another favorite on Twitter, Michael Mayer on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. It's always game day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. I agree with you. You know, the, the topic of conversation, how people feel, there's all kinds of different position groups right now. You, you think of the defensive line, if that star falls late, 28, if a running back, uh, tight end, offensive lineman happens to fall, that was a top guy to 28. Yes, take him. But at this moment, when you are looking at the O-line class, I don't know how you feel, but I've said it plenty of times on this podcast. I'm not comfortable with the Cincinnati Bengals front office taking an offensive lineman in the draft. I would rather just pay for my right tackle this offseason. I guess the issue you run into there is there's not a lot of guys that you probably want to pay much money. Um, I think Mike McGlinchey is kind of popular, but he has a – Look, you guys hate Jonah. He has a worse pass pro grade on PFF from Jonah. I think he's a worse pass protector than Jonah. And he's moving from an offense uh, that will protect him a ton with tight ends because Trent Williams is on the other side and play action where he just gets to run run down the line and just pick somebody up that way on keepers and stuff. And the tight end picks up the edge to an offense where he's going to have to pass it on an island against TJ Watt like 20 times or something like that. Well, they'll probably chip, but still, you know, it's what Jonah gets killed on and you guys want better when he's against Miles Garrett. This would probably be the same thing on the other side. I think he's a worse pass protector than Jonah. That's you're paying $15 million a year for that, but everybody got on me about trying to pay $15 million a year for Ter- for Teron Armstead. Who's actually an elite talent. Yeah. He plays 13 games a year. Who cares? Pick up a good swing tackle with the other 5 million. Let's roll. Didn't do it. There's no Toronto Armstead in this. I don't think Orlando Brown is also a, a real upgrade over Jonah, to be honest. He's more powerful, and I think you get a similar pass protector. Is that worth $25 million a year? Not to me. Um, like, I, what do you want to pay Jonah? Because you're not – I know the sacks allowed thing. When it comes to pressure and, like, how often he loses, it's similar to Orlando Brown. It's just unlucky, and I think he loses a little more dramatically at times. And I think Orlando Brown's so big that sometimes those pressures, it's harder to turn those into sacks just because he's ginormous. Um, but, yeah, I, I, he loses about as much as Jonah. So there's no Tron Armstead out there. Do you get, like, an Isaiah win for $9 millions? I think Jawan Taylor is an interesting guy because he's so young and he just had a career season, and he's a better pass protector than a run blocker, which I know I've gone over why the run game is important, but – Look, in the Bengals offense, you have a much harder job pass protecting than anything else. I think it's one of the most hardest. I think it's one of the most difficult places to play offensive tackle. Just I know Burrow does a lot to help, but the amount that they like to go five out in into the pattern and uh, give no help and ask these guys to just pick up the guy they're against, it's tough. Uh, so yeah, th- there's a few guys out there that I think are cheap, like swing tackle types or low end starters, but. Yeah, that's my issue with paying the right tackle is I, there's no – like, Jawan Taylor is interesting, and Isaiah Wynn type is interesting. Isaiah Wynn to me is like a carbon clone of Jonah, really, though, and I know people get upset about it by, like, week nine. Do you think they can get kind of a – and uh, Bengals fans aren't going to like this because I, I joke all the time and say they're Riley Reef away from the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, there's Riley Reefs out there. 
but yeah, like a Riley Reef type. I don't think they're going to go spend huge money because they're going to try and bring Von Bell back. Maybe they re-sign Hayden Hurst or another tight end that's out there on, on the open market. But at the same time, I think you still need to look at the right tackle position, even if it's more of a depth piece. If Lyle, they feel good about Lyle coming back. But we don't know anything about how Lyle's feeling. They're not out there working out right now. Yeah. Um, the one. Yeah. There's there's Riley Reef types. Billy Turner's out there. Um, Jermaine Illuminor. I haven't watched him much, but somebody I trust said he's solid. And he has, uh, I think, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko like him. So, sure. Uh, there's there's those types out there. There's not a guy that you pay a bunch of money and he's your right tackle for the next five years, I think. That, like, maybe Jawan Taylor. Um, even McGlinchey's older. Even if you really wanted to believe in him, he's older. and. Like I've said, I, I don't think he's the pass protector that's really worth paying over there. Jawan Taylor comes from a similar idea of he's he had to pass protect on Island a lot. The issue with him is he wasn't very good before the season. He showed flashes, but it wasn't consistent. This year he was pretty consistently good to great. So it's it's possible. And maybe you get a discount because he, he was a first-round pick, but he hasn't been consistent. I don't know how the NFL thinks of him. Um, so that one's interesting. But I know you want to get into Michael Mayer talk. Do you want to get into Michael Mayer talk? Uh, plenty. We will talk about the offensive line every episode until we get into the NFL draft, maybe even preseason of next year. And hopefully there are plenty of things to talk about. You finally watched. And, and what I love about your breakdowns, you, you're not going to give an opinion if you haven't watched the guy yet. You went back and you watched how many Michael Mayer games? Five. Five. That is perfect. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah, one of my absolute favorites over at the NFL Network, and I'm not going to say he hits on all of his mock drafts, but it's early on. And uh, today he released his Michael Mayer early going to the Cincinnati Bengals mm -hmm. to be determined on what they do with Hayden Hurst. What do you like and dislike about Mayer? I was just also going to point out that in Daniel Jeremiah's mock so far, he's done two. He's fairly plugged in the NFL. The Bengals went tight end in the first one and tight end in the second one. I don't know. Maybe it's just matching positional value to a guy, to a team that doesn't have a tight end really on the roster. They got like one. I don't remember who. Asiasi? <laughs> Wilcox? One of those guys. Wilcox. Uh, Wilcox. That's it. Yeah, Wilcox is still on the roster. I think it's easy to point out, like, that's a need. <laughs> um, but, yeah. So what I like is I think he comes into the NFL with a pretty high floor. I think um, he does a lot of the tight end stuff really well. He something I don't see a lot of people talk about, but something I really like to see is a guy's ability to release at the second level. You think of release um, like wide receivers doing some crazy foot stuff, doing like a basketball crossover thing with tight ends. It's not as graceful. It is running into <laughs> it's more D line um, swipe moves, swim moves, rip moves, just keeping your hand, keeping their hands off of you because I know it's not allowed technically going to happen a lot when you're a tight end. So uh, these guys are going to try to grab him, push him, get their hands on him, move him off of where he's running. And he does a really good job of staying on his track, getting those hands off of him. It helps him create separation. He has a pretty good um, at the break of his routes, pushing off, but not holding out an extended arm that gets called. I've, I've whenever I watch tight ends coach talk, I know it doesn't sound like they're just, it's how to legally cheat, you know, <laughs> like push off, but don't fully extend the arm, <laughs> you know, things like that. Try to chicken wing it. Um, so yeah, he pushes off, which every tight end does, and he doesn't get called for it because he doesn't keep it out there or fully extend most of the time. So that's good. Um, he's got good hands. He's a good contested catch guy. And when it comes to blocking, I think overall it's a little bit of a mixed bag, uh, but I think it comes in, you could use him as a blocker right away. There's just stuff that I think needs worked on a tiny bit. Uh, when what I'm talking about is he's powerful. He's 265 pounds. <laughs> you know, like he's good at that. Uh, he can move guys. What he does best is when he's set up by a tackle when they're on a double team. The tackle kind of holds him up, and Mayer's able to plow into him and move him over. And then he also does a and then climb up to the second level because he's fairly athletic. Gets up to the second level and blocks that guy as well. He also does a pretty good job on his sift blocks, which is working from one side of the formation to the other and picking that guy up. He can really lay some wood doing that. Um, so I think that's just about everything I really liked about him. Um, trying to think if there's anything else. 
Uh, maybe I'll bring it up if it comes to me when I get to uh, what I think are a little bit of the negatives. But yeah, I I think I think overall he's he's going to be at least a pretty solid tight end. And if you think about their tight end room over the last couple of years, that's a huge upgrade, even if yeah. he's going to be a rookie out there. Yeah, I, three in three years, he's probably giving you more than Hayden Hurst did. So when you get more to the negative side about the overall picture, if all the tight ends, which I don't think is going to happen because it does feel like a pretty talented group of tight ends, and maybe you can get some in the second round too, if all of them are available and you're at 28, oh. is this a wrong decision by Cincinnati to take him? Hmm. I didn't think about that. I thought we were doing the negatives. But, yeah, we'll, we'll, we can have this discussion because I've negative. watched. The only guy I haven't watched is um, Luke Musgrave, who goes in the first round sometimes, which he has 500 career yards. I thought I clicked on the wrong Luke Musgrave when I, <laughs> I looked him up. I was like, I see his big games, his small games. Like, oh, he played two games last year. as 500 yards for his career. This is going to be hard. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, how good do you feel? Because I, I don't know how I feel about what is Cincinnati's ability to really develop the receiving end of a tight end. Do you yeah. feel good or bad about that? I don't know if I feel confident. confident okay, about then it. I take Mayor. If I feel confident that I could develop the receiving end of a tight end, I'd really look at Darnell Washington because – I know we talk about an extra offensive tackle as a tight end. He is literally that at six foot seven, 285 pounds. And he is a monster when it comes to blocking. Mayor is a little bit of a mixed bag right now. There's stuff he does really well. There's He doesn't really sustain his blocks well. He can let guys get into his chest. He plays a little too high and sometimes, sometimes, and sometimes he plays with too wide of a base. He's still figuring this out. Um, with Washington, by far, maybe the, well, yeah, for me, by far the best blocking tight end I've watched, like out of my three years of doing this. Just mm -hmm. bar none. But I watched a ton of tight ends last year. Um, and this year, I think Mayer is on the upper end of uh, tight end's ability to block coming out of college. But Washington, I think he enters the league. Just you could use him as a blocker anytime. But it's, week one, I think he could be caving guys in and blowing stuff up for your run game. The issue is he's, he's very raw as a receiver. I think I'll just say that like, he doesn't do the release stuff as well. He can get away with it sometimes just cause he's 280 pounds. So uh, guys try to put their hands on him. He just kind of like runs through it. <laughs> because like, you know, like a fly running into a, a, a rhinoceros, but his, his hands aren't great. I, he uh, he's a clapper is what I call that because his hands are so far apart. And then the ball comes, he tries to clap at it instead of keeping the hands tight together and just catching it soft. Mayor does a soft catch. Uh, Washington's a clapper. <laughs> so you gotta be able to fix his hands. You gotta be able to fix his routes and uh, you gotta be able to fix his releases and things like that. But if you can polish him, I, I think he's a Mercedes Lewis type, but if you could really polish him, I think he's the highest ceiling. So if you feel really good about your tight end development, take him. If you don't feel great about it, I would say even if you if you don't feel great about it, like if you even feel good about it, I would still take Mayor, I think. Just because high floor, and he's going to be at least solid, I think. And he has a chance to be good, to great. Like it's not like he can't be an elite tight end. I just think he doesn't have the top end athleticism of um, of to make him like that elite, elite receiver which I'm not sure Washington does either, but Washington's going to be more athletic for his size just because he's so big. And Washington's going to come, he's going to be a better blocker. So I think you're going to get, it's actually funny. I, I think of, when you think of, there's two areas to being a tight end, blocking and receiving. I think there's um, the three guys I've watched that are first round talents or so. Um, Dalton Kincaid, Michael Mayer, and Darnell Washington. It's almost min max and middle like like jack of all trades is in the middle Dalton Kincaid can't block like I don't know if I would trust him to do anything really <laughs> well then never mind get him off the list but can he develop that sure maybe no, he's 240 no, we pounds we do not have time to develop even though I have <laughs> a player available it is if you if you keep 
you know, if you have a sample there, maybe you can roll with this. He's really he's, he's a receiver. He's a Mike Kosicki. He, he really can't block that well. Um, the Florida tape really showed that, and they kept asking him to do it, and he kept failing. Uh, so I, that's the one end. But he's an awesome receiver. He's super athletic. He's probably going to run like a 4-5 somewhere in there. He's probably going to come out with like a 9-5 RAS score. Then in the middle, you've got Michael Mayer, who I think is athletic enough. He's got very good body control. I didn't mention that, but he has very good body control and ability to work on the sidelines. Just a lot of good stuff. Like he's almost does everything at least a solid level. That's him. He's the middle. And then you have Darnell Washington, who can't. I don't. I don't know how much I trust him to catch the ball right now, but he is going to block the heck out of people. So there's there's the three guys, and I think Musgrave's more towards Kincaid, although I haven't watched at all. Uh, so three guys. You want the slot receiver athlete super athlete type that has awesome hands. I think he only dropped 1% of his college passes in Kincaid. Do you want the guy that does a little bit of everything? Or do you want the guy that can block his tail off, but it's probably going to be a few years before you see some receiving yards? No, 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 no. We, we, we do not have... You like the middle? I like the, the Goldilocks. <laughs> and that's the question that the Bengals are going to ask. And I don't think all three of them will be there when the Bengals are picking at 28. And, no. and I could be wrong. Kincaid went 16 in that down, down Jeremiah mock. I was shocked. Yeah, that seems out of all of him, all of them for him to go at 16 would be surprising. But yeah, that's a question the front off front office has to ask. Do you want a guy who's going to be a dominant playmaker down the road, uh, can block more of a developmental piece, or do you want a receiver, a playmaker, day one, who this team, you know, could really use on the roster, especially if they don't bring back Hayden Hurst and you have Mitchell Wilcox out there. And you still have a question who your number four receiver is, but you plug in Michael Mayer and uh, you're doing pretty good out there. Uh, is there any other negatives you want to bring up with Mayer really quickly? Um, yeah, so there's – see. No, it's really just – I think the athleticism caps his receiving ability a little bit, even though he can work down the field. It's just he's not going to be – you know, I don't know. Um, trying to think of super athletes at the like, even Travis Kelsey's not a super athlete, so he's not Kyle Pitts, is I guess what I'm saying. Is that I don't think I could trust him to run a bunch of deep post routes and beat corners or something like that. But he's solid, he's solid at everything. Uh, no more negatives. I think it's a mixed bag blocking. I think his blocking is a little overstated sometimes. He's not Gron- Rob Gronkowski, uh, he's still solid at it and he can become really good he's got the frame and potential to become a great blocker but it's not there just yet so those are the negatives to me i i would also take mayor i think that the floor is just so safe with him and it's not like you can't get a very good tight end out of it like he could easily get into that I don't know what dalton schultz is probably like a top eight tight end i think he could easily be become better than dalton schultz I will say this. I think that's one to watch for because I think Dalton could be someone who the Cowboys bring back or he's a franchise tag or the Cowboys take a tight end in this draft. And that's mm. going to be something to watch in the first round. I think the tight, I think the Cowboys, he fits the Cowboys type. I think they like, I, I don't think they care about the athleticism as much when you look at their past and how they had Jason Witten all those years. If they could find a guy that can be Jason Witten, I think they'd love that. And I'm not saying Mayor is Jason Witten. I think he's faster. He's more athletic than Jason Witten was, at least when I watched Jason Witten for the most part. Um, but yeah, I think they'll they'll like everything he does. So I think that's interesting. Um, but look, that I like him. I think it's a fine fine pick. Cincinnati at 28 if he's there I am I co-signed this um would I take B. John Robinson over that you probably don't want to know yes yes but here's I would I just uh, I don't know I what is why is it okay to take tight ends in the first round when the history of first round tight ends is like terrible um and why and it's not okay to take running backs there just because of the position value I don't fully get but it's fine I I'm I am a proponent of taking either so look what I do is I don't I evaluate the player. <laughs> that's, that's about it for me. I, I evaluate the player, and I think, what is that a fine pick? I gave Mayer the highest out of the tight ends I've watched so far. Still got to watch Musgrave, but we'll see there. I only do film, so it's possible that his 500 yards – we'll see. Maybe they're an awesome 500 yards. <laughs> Maybe they don't move me enough. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think that um, – I think Mayer's a good pick at 28 if he's there. It's a question of whether or not he's there. 
And um, I'm going to wrap this up really quickly because we're going a little long on the tight end segment. Uh, Mayor just fits Cincinnati. He's from Cubcath right across the river. And he did have a photo. I think he since deleted it because Bengals Twitter found it where he has the Bengals in his background right right before he yeah. went to he's, he's a fan. It would be very cool for the story. He grew up near here. He's a fan. He just had that video with like the who's your favorite quarterback, Joe Burrow, and all that type of things. So there's a tweet. <laughs> Uh, from I think 2017, mm-hmm. somewhere around when CJ Uzama got an extension, <laughs> it was like with the first pick the Bengals select Michael Mayer. It'd be awesome. The story is so cool, and I think he's a good player. So I co-signed this pick. I I'm okay with it. I'd probably take him over the tackles that were there in uh, the Daniel Jeremiah mock. So and it's not that I hate like a Dewan Jones or an Anton Harrison. It's and I haven't watched Jalen Duncan. It's just to me, they're round two guys. I I think that there's quite a bit of bust potential with each one. And that scares me because taking Austin Jackson over Jonathan Taylor or, I don't know, uh, Dallas Goddard, just because they're more valuable, that's not the move, in my opinion. All this to say, all three tight ends and running back will be off the board by the time the Bengals. Probably gonna be an awesome corner. <laughs> there you go. It could all fall to Cincinnati. Really depends on what uh, the first twenty-seven picks think uh, ahead of them. But it's gonna be fun. I can't wait to talk more about the combine next week, going into free agency, pro days, and the NFL draft right around the corner. But let's talk franchise tag next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. It's franchise tag time. Look, I don't think Cincinnati's going to use the franchise tag. They used it last year for Jesse Bates. They could use it again on Jesse Bates. And I think some conversation is maybe you should use it on Jermaine Pratt. I say no when it's almost $21 million. What do you think about the franchise tag if Cincinnati were to use it? Nobody. There's nobody to really use it on. You have your free safety and waiting in Dax Hill. Plug him in. There's no reason. Unless you really hate what he showed you in practice, uh, plug him in. Because paying Jesse Bates the 120% of the top five picks, it was like 20% more than whatever he got this year, which I think he got, what, like 17 from the franchise tag? It was around there. Yeah, it had to be around 17. But I, I agree with you when it comes to Jesse Bates. There was um, – I actually put this out on, on Twitter yesterday. I don't, I don't see the Cincinnati Bengals using it this year. I think next year is a good conversation that maybe they use the franchise tag for a player next year, depending on how some of the extension talks go. But the linebacker – situation i feel like this team feels very confident in logan wilson uh keem davis gather and maybe a marcus bailey step in another year and with with uh, the linebacker room i don't no offense to jermaine pratt he was a great linebacker and some could argue that he was the best linebacker on the roster last year i would but i'd still not give him the franchise tag because they lump outside linebackers and linebackers together so it's up at 21 million dollars like you're paying him is that the most an off-ball linebacker would make uh, it might be it'd push it like you're not paying top five average money like you're not paying the fifth most money to a linebacker you're because they have tj watt factored in there and those type of guys you're paying top top money like breaking the bank type that's why no off-ball linebackers really get tagged and look, they could maybe have that conversation with Jermaine and he gets paid in Cincinnati. I just don't see it happening. I think when you look at a guy like Jesse Bates and Jermaine Pratt, this defense is more than likely probably going to be playing without the two of them next year. And, you know, that is unfortunate because Pratt had himself a season. And I think of one of my favorite Jermaine Pratt years was the playoff game against the Raiders. I mean, he makes the play to end the playoff yeah. drought in Cincinnati. And I think we can remember just this past season, a lot of his big plays out there. And he is a difference maker. And, yes, the defense might take a tad step back with the absence of Jesse Bates. We we like Jesse Bates on this podcast. I wish they could have figured out an extension a couple years ago. Those conversations 
are more than likely over and Jesse Bates will more than likely play for a new team. I kind of want to go to the safety position really quickly because it is Dax Hill. And I think if you were to think of any of the Bengals free agents, Von Bell is number one on my list on who you bring back. I think it's important for Dax Hill in his first real season in the NFL. Yes, I know he was out there a little bit in his rookie year, but I mean, he's going to be taking over for Jesse Bates and, and Von Bell is a difference maker too for this defense. Tyson Anderson is someone who battled injuries his rookie year and again won't really get his full season until year two what do you think about Tyson Anderson out there if I told you they couldn't work something out with Von Bell oh I'm nervous yeah <laughs> he didn't even play <laughs> at least with Dax Hill I'm like oh you know I, I saw a couple reps here and there that could show why he does this he had an awesome preseason Tyson didn't even play in the preseason wasn't he hurt oh my goodness I I would be very very nervous if Tyson Anderson was a starting safety week one um i'm nervous I i trust the Bengals if they really think that's their thing like they've been on fire lately with their decisions like that i just ooh. I think Von Bell's the most likely free agent to come back to. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's just that I, he should be number one on the priority because like technically Jesse Bates is probably number one on my priority. I just not going to get it done because, you know, it's a bad resource management if you're going to spend first round picks on that and then also give top for line money to the same position. Uh, and then uh, Jermaine Pratt would probably be, probably be my second. Uh, well, for the Bengals, I think it'd be Von Bell. Like if I'm the Bengals, I think I'd prefer Von Bell. Uh, over Jermaine Pratt just because I, I feel confident in the guys that would step in for like, who are you more nervous for starting week one next year? Akeem Davis Gaither or Tyson Anderson? Uh, Tyson Anderson. He's yeah, good. absolutely. He's a late fifth round guy from Toledo, <laughs> which is fine. He could be great. I think Talanua Hafunga is probably a similar profile from the 49ers. He was an all pro. So maybe that happens. That'd be awesome, right? <laughs> you got a cheap safety that's played at that level. That's an exception. That's an ex- most teams that they're going to trot out their their nearly sixth round pick from a group of high school. He's probably not. I'm not going to say he'd be terrible. I just I would not be confident in a starting safety duo of uh, Dax Hill and Tyson Anderson, and it, it not as much to do with um, Dax Hill, but Dax Hill and, and um, Von Bell. I feel pretty good about. So I think it's likely Von Bell is back. I think the Bengals value him. And I don't think it will break the bank, but we will see about that. I think projections have been a little bit all over the place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. And kind of going back to Dax Hill a little bit, his rookie year was so unique because I think fans wanted to see him out there at times. They felt a certain way and they're like, oh, let's see Dax Hill in his rookie year. And they kind of held off on that. I'm okay with that. And then he had a few mistakes with penalties late in the season when he was getting those opportunities. I'm actually really excited for Dax Hill. Yes, Jesse Bates will be missed out there, but I still have a lot of faith in what he can be as an NFL player in the safety room. Yeah, me too. If if you're out on Dax Hill, I don't really understand why. He was a rookie. He played more slot corner than anything. Most of the times he picked up penalties, did stuff that wasn't good. It was as a slot corner, which that's not great because that's what he played a lot. He played a lot of that in Michigan. But, yeah, I I don't feel that. If he was the Mike Hilton replacement, I'd feel more nervous. There's so much question with what he can do to take over for Jesse Bates, but he comes with good athleticism. I liked him a lot in the draft after I watched him. He was not a guy I watched before the draft because I said, that guy's more of a nickel defender, and they've got Mike Hilton. So then I felt egg on my face right after <laughs> uh but i liked him in the draft uh liked him a lot i think in the joe goodberry thing that i'm a part of where there, there's a, about a thousand different factors that go into it he ended up as like a top 15 player in the whole draft so it was good value and when he did play deep safety he did a good job it was the other stuff that he was picking up penalties and missing stuff so and even the, the nickel stuff, I would still be able to talk myself into it because he he started at nickel corner against Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. Like, oops. <laughs> That's not a great place for a rookie safety to be. No, 
No, not at all. And but, but at the same time with Daxil, I think a lot of people have to remember last year was when the Jesse Bates contract negotiations, all of that stuff was kind of continuing going into the season. And Jesse Bates wasn't there for the majority of training camp. And Dax Hill was getting those first team reps. So this will be his second season kind of out there with the first teamers when it comes to training camp. And, you know, maybe, you know, I'm thinking too much into what that's going to be like for him as a starter. But I think that's extremely important with this defense and what we're going to be able to see with Dax Hill. And I agree the Tyson Anderson nice depth piece right now for this team but if he's the third safety that's cool i trust him yeah. in that role yeah 100 but i do i think the von bell i would be i'll say this i'll be shocked if von bell is not back on this team next year i think i'd be surprised yeah i, I don't know if i would say shocked maybe that's would, a short word yeah i would say surprised like i i wouldn't be shocked just because there there could be a team that wants to give him like 14 million dollars a year and I am not going to complain about Von Bell taking that money. Nope. So if a team loves him and they want to do that, Sean Payton's back in Denver. I don't know. Maybe he loved Von Bell. <laughs> Although I don't think Von Bell loved New Orleans. <laughs> Wasn't there? A, there was a whole thing um, that I think Paul Daner got that was like, it, it was a revenge game for him, that Saints game. I, I, th I think he didn't feel valued there. Uh, so maybe that's not a case but maybe still like Sean Payton maybe he's mad Sean Payton wasn't there <laughs> I don't know a lot with that but it, you know if he wants to go to Denver and Denver's offering him premium money which they probably shouldn't do because they're paying Justin Simmons premium money but yeah just live with the thing <laughs> if a team offers him 12 million dollars a year I don't think the Bengals match but if you know I think the Bengals match would would match quite a bit I think outside of where I'd feel comfortable matching like 10 million dollars a year I think the Bengals might match that although i probably wouldn't uh yeah I, I would be surprised if Von Bell's not back but I wouldn't be shocked it's a little bit similar to Eli Apple although that's partially me thinking that there aren't a lot of teams interested in Eli Apple <laughs> like I think this is where he just goes out of default well I mean I could still see I could see them letting Eli test the market again and just saying and yeah but I'm not saying this because of Eli's talent I am Eli Apple truther a little bit because I think he's solid. How many other teams are interested? That's think? what I'm saying. It's a it's a win. Like if Lou Anarumo got the Cardinals job, I'd think I I think he might leave. But with him back, and it's not even like any of the Bengals assistants are picking up defensive coordinator jobs or going anywhere else. They're, they keep coming back. Um, Al Golden's in Notre Dame. Eli Apple can't go to Notre Dame. I think he ran out of college eligibility. So out of all the guys, it's like. It, it would have to be a complete external thing, like a guy that doesn't even know Eli, because I don't think any of the Saints or Giants guys that knew him want him. Um, so maybe, but to me, I think he comes back out of default, just like, uh, oh, you're back. Sure. You could be the fourth corner. Why not? I mean, $2 million one year deal. Yeah. I'm fine with it. It's great depth. You can I do Look, man, imagine the cornerback room. You've got Cheeto and Cam Taylor Britt and Eli Apple, and maybe you draft a guy in the first two rounds. You're talking like you could you could take some injuries. Uh, Mike Hilton's still at slot. It takes a while before you get to Jalen Davis <laughs> in this scenario. I mean, uh, you can always use depth in the in the cornerback room, and if you're getting them on a cheap deal, but it's a win-win for Cincinnati because you let him test the market and you hold Cheeto. Um, everyone knows he tore his ACL on Halloween night, and he's probably hopefully had time to recover, and he'll be good to go for training. I, yeah, I definitely do want the Bengals to have depth at corner, so Cheeto doesn't feel like he needs to rush back. I think of what um, it was a shorter time frame, but, but Trey Hopkins um, when he was yeah his last year. That felt rushed back. January. Yeah, January, and he was able to be out there opening day. And I think a little bit of that was um, I don't want the quarterback to get killed. The other option is a sixth-round pick or, yeah, it was a sixth-round pick. So I'm going to push myself to get out there. And he struggled early. I thought he was able to put together some okay performances by the end of the year, but it was clear to me that I, I don't think he was ready for the start of the season. So if Cheeto can feel good about, like, okay, Eli's there, like mm – -hmm. Maybe I don't need to be back week one. Like I can, I can work my way in week two, week three, somewhere in there. Tredavious White uh, just did something similar where, well, he had a long, he wasn't back for a while. So I would hope it'd be quicker than that, but they felt good. They had Kyrie Elam. They had Dane Jackson. They had enough corners that they felt okay about, you know, Eli Apple types that they, they were like, take your time, Trey. And the bills were awesome. And, and Trey White gets back and he's able to ease himself back, plays at a high level. It's great. This is a big year for Cheeto too. So, I mean, you yeah, do want to last year the contract. 
Yeah. And that's a decision that, hey, I mean, I know they're working on Joe Burrow, the T. Higgins conversation, Logan Wilson conversation when it comes to extension. Then you'll get into the Jamar Chase, all that fun stuff next year. But at the same time, if you look at the future of, of who's on the books, you got to think about some of these guys when it when it comes to Cheetah, when it comes to Mike Hilton, Trey Hendrickson, DJ. DJ. <laughs> um, you know what? When uh, I think you said it on on Twitter, when it comes to people talking about his future replacement in the next couple of years, we're like, no, 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 we're not ready to have this conversation. <laughs> well, part of that, and this is the end of the podcast, so I don't want to bring up a topic that'll take too long. I don't think nose tackles fall off the age cliff that fast. Um, I mean, I looked at it; it felt like thirty-two was around the time you should be nervous, not 30. And he's, you give him a, th- a four-year deal with an out in the fourth year. I think he's 28. I want to say you, you can do about three years before you get nervous about the fall off. So I would, I would really think about giving, bringing him back. Cause I think he is maybe the most important player on that defense. And you could try to draft a replacement. You could try to, piece something together it'll be a different defense it's hard to find dj reader uh i know he was like a fifth round pick or something but you know it's hard to find that guy (laughs) everybody wants one (laughs) jordan davis just went so high that he was super athletic so yeah i i would i would look into offering dj reader a deal after this contract i don't think everybody would i think 30 is just a big scary number for a lot of people but i don't think they fall off there and i some guys didn't fall off for a long time looking at you know, like, I don't think Tony Siragusa ever fell off. He's like 34 when he retired. <laughs> he was still being the man that kept Ray Lewis clean for those Ravens teams. If DJ Reader is a Bengal for life, I'm I'm signing up right now. Yeah, we, me talked too. About, we talked about it on the podcast probably about a month or so ago. And we talked about the most valuable players on this team or, you know, your future core players. T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow. Then you look at the defensive side. We said DJ Reader. You know, I know he's getting older, but if you were to pull social media right now and say, who is a core piece of this defense that you want on this team? And may- maybe they look at the linebacker room and they say Jermaine Pratt or they say Logan Wilson. Um, and those are fine picks, too. But for me personally, it's DJ Reader. When I think of the quarterback of the defense, um, it is definitely him. And, and if Cheeto would have been healthy this season, maybe I'm saying Cheeto because Cheeto was having himself quite a season in Cincinnati while he was here. Um, and I hope we're having that conversation about Cheeto and he comes off this injury and it's like, ooh, do you extend Cheeto? Do you find a way to, to bring him back? You know, these conversations, we're really going to find out a lot going into this football season when it comes to some of these guys where they spent money on in the 2020 free agency when this front office was changing their ways. Uh, what is that going to look like this offseason? And, and we've talked about, I think we can agree that Von Bell at, at the top of the list. And of course, if they find a way to bring Jermaine Pratt back, I am game. And the only reason I do not mention Jesse Bates in that conversation, we just I just know it's more than likely over. Yeah, they drafted his replacement. Yeah. It's just I don't I I want I want people to know love Jesse Bates when he was here. Jermaine Pratt, the same thing. I just I'm kind of looking at, you know, this is probably where they're going with this room. And and um, you know, that's fine too. I hope Jesse gets the bag. Um and I'm excited to see where from Atlanta, not Cleveland. Yeah, go 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 to the NFC. Go to the NFC. We don't we don't want you over in the AFC at all. Definitely don't want you in Cleveland. Nobody wishes that on anyone. Um but, <laughs> but what do you have up on all Bengals this week? I think I'm finally doing it. I'm writing the B. John Robinson article because I'm, I'm riling enough feathers. I might as well. I'm all on the Michael Mayer train, but you're, you I'll might, get a Michael Mayer article out there too. You might talk me into it. And if both are there at 28, we need a live camera on you. We might have to record our podcast right before the pick just to oh, see man. the live camera action. Last year I was, I was live on Twitch with Jake Lisko and um, a John Sheeran. So <laughs> I was like, I was like three beers in by then. So you will get it. It was an honest reaction to Dax Hill. And I went, yeah, sure. <laughs> Why not? No, now I'm pumped. I'm ready to about two more months until the NFL draft. And we'll have plenty to talk about. Make sure you follow him over on Twitter. Great breakdowns. Bengals underscore Sands. You can follow me at LNDS Patterson. Thank you for listening to It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.